This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode, we are talking with Amanda Cunningham. She is a pop R&B singer-songwriter. For Amanda, songwriting and singing provide her with an outlet to put her oversharing to good use, letting others know that it's okay to poke fun at your imperfections and the trauma you've gone through, and hopefully grown from. She's also a wife and the mother of a 10-year-old. She struggled with mental health her whole life, recently having been diagnosed as having a bipolar 2. And she hopes that what she's gone through and the lessons she's learned as a young mother can help other women who might be in a similar position. Amanda shares the struggles she went through in her years after having her daughter. And unfortunately, she suffered for years until she found the treatment and therapy that worked for her. And she shares some insights on what it felt like for her to be going through these struggles. And she shares with us also the all too common experience of having guilt and not really understanding what is going on for you and how that might be impacting you or your child. It's a really tough position to be not feeling well and to not have answers, to be searching for how to feel better, and then just being in that fog of not knowing. All of us who have suffered through any kind of mental health condition or situation know how difficult that can be. And thankfully, she is sharing her experience with us so that we can see how she found healing. And hopefully that can be an avenue for other people as well. So let's meet Amanda. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you share your story. I don't know a whole lot much about the music industry and music in general. I know there are a lot of people out there who do. And the kind of intersection that you're bringing, how your story unfolded for you and how it impacted your music and, and all that. I'm just really interested to, to understand how, how all of that worked out for you. So to that end, I'd love for you to start anywhere you're comfortable with your story. So 
My story is I got pregnant a month before I turned 20. So I was 19 and my husband jokes that I was teen pregnant. Not a joke, but he like will make fun of me where I'll like be an adult. And he was like, yeah, but you got teen pregnant. So like, it's just a funny joke. Not, not that funny. It's an inside joke, I guess. Anyways. Yeah. So I got pregnant. I had my daughter at 20. So I guess I had, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had, I also have it had issues before I got pregnant with like mental health and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I had like a really kind of chaotic upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know it was normal and blah, blah, blah. Right. So I already had issues as a teenager. And I mean, mind you, I was basically a child when I got pregnant. (laughs) Like I look at like, you know, 19 year olds now. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I had a kid at 19. Like they look like babies to me now. It looks insane to me that I had a kid at that point. But I had issues as a teenager and I didn't really know what they were. It was just like, whatever. It was just teenager stuff. Right. And then when I got pregnant, I think like, like looking at it now, I had depression and I probably had it before. And then the hormones accelerated. So like when I was, and I was also in a really bad situation, just like physically, like not abusive, but like a bad environment. Like the okay. the house I was in was like what you might see on like TLC hoarder situation kind of thing. It was just like very chaotic. I didn't have a good support system. My boyfriend at the time who I haven't seen in like my daughter's 10 now. She hasn't, I, I haven't seen him since she was 15 months old. So like I just referred to him as my baby daddy now, which I guess is typical of getting pregnant at like 19. But he wasn't really around, like he was in and out. And so I was basically home by myself a lot Mm -hmm. in like a really dirty, chaotic situation. And I didn't have any money. And at that point, I already graduated high school because I was 19 and I was doing my associate's degree. I had just finished that and I was planning on going to finish the last two years. So I was like in this in-between where I didn't have a job. I didn't have any, like it was just like me hanging out at home. It was just like a really not great situation. So I don't know how much of it was like, it was like a bunch of factors, right? So sure. I don't, I assume yeah. there was like mental stuff and then there was also like everything else around it sure. that just amplified it. Lots of stress. Yeah, just a ton of stress. And so like when I was pregnant, I would like lay in bed and just like sleep, just lay in bed and not do anything and like nothing really. I'm trying to think about it. Like I would just randomly start crying type of thing. Like just, I assume like normal depression stuff. And then I had my daughter and then I was still living at my mom's house. This was my mom's house at the time. I lived with her until my daughter was almost three. And I live with my now husband, who was my boyfriend. And I just moved straight from my mom's house into an apartment with him that we got together. So I've never actually lived by myself. I, my friends were like, wait, you never lived by yourself? I was like, no, I got pregnant. And then I immediately moved to my boyfriend, who I'm now married to. And But yeah, I had, when I had her, it was the same exact situation, except I now had a baby. So all of that plus not sleeping right and then the stress of the baby and then the physical stuff of like me trying to heal myself and like trying to shower and then having her and then terrified that she's gonna like fall off or something and so like I can't I can remember like turning the shower off at one point because I left her in the room to sleep turning it off and being like okay I hear her like terrified that something was going wrong and I looked I didn't have anyone to watch her to do anything by myself and Mm -hmm. like I had um at one point I got like mastesis I think that's what it is right with like you have like a block yeah yeah it, all of a sudden, I had no idea what it was, and it like, oh my god, it hurt, and I had this terrible fever, and like it just hurt, and so I like read to massage it, but I didn't really have anybody at the time. My sister was also living at home. At this time, my mom wasn't really living with us. It was like a weird situation, and there's issues about it now, but she wasn't really living with us. It was basically me and my sister at home by ourselves, and at the time, 
my sister is four years younger than me, so she was, like, 16. Mm. And so it was basically just me and her hanging out. And so, like, I remember when I had it, I had to be like, can you please just take her so I can deal with it? That was, like, basically having a fever, and I felt yeah. terrible all of yeah. a sudden. Right. And she watched her. Um, and we recently talked about that, actually, because she, she just had a baby, too. And she was like, remember that time? And I was just like, yeah, I forgot about that. Which reminds me, I guess reminds me that I kind of blocked a lot of that stuff out. And she'll bring stuff up. And I'm like, mm. what? She'd be like, yeah, I remember that time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I just, it was it just, like during pregnancy and, and postpartum. It was mostly postpartum. Like, I don't remember. Like, it was mostly like the pregnancy stuff was a blur just because I was yeah. like going through stuff. Yeah. And then like the whole, like the first two years of her life were just kind of a blur because mm-hmm. I was just going through a lot. And like, I wasn't super mentally present. I guess, like, I'm trying to think, like, I mean, I, I probably, I don't, like, when I look at it now, I'm like, oh, I clearly had postpartum depression, but back then I didn't know, both by myself, and I had no idea, like, this wasn't talked about and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it was very clearly postpartum depression, like, pretty yeah. hard. Right. So. And no, nobody was, like, no professionals, no OBs or anything like that, or, or primary care. Did you have anybody who maybe, like, asked you any questions about it, about how you were doing I don't. I don't remember. It was mostly like a physical thing. So like I had the, um, what was it? What was it? That's just like the standard checkup when you like have a baby. It's like the right afterwards and then the six weeks or whatever. And then it's like, I think you only get like two or three and they pretty much just check on you physically. Like they didn't, and not that it's their problem per se about like what my home life is like, but like there was no questions asked. Nobody asked if I needed help. Like I asked, I was asked if I needed like nursing help. Mm-hmm. And I did in the hospital and they did give me that, like, just because they were, you know, they were there. So they did help me like learn how to do it. Right. And I figured it out at home. Like I breastfed her until she was like 14, 15 months and it was fine. But that was like the only actual, I mean, I didn't ask for help because I didn't know right. to ask for help. I, I'm like, I'm not trying to like put things on other people. It's just like, I no. didn't know yeah. what was normal. And I know the situation in general was messed up. You sure. Know? I mean, yeah. And what you're describing is, is true for a lot of people who have postpartum depression and that kind of like fogginess that you were describing it's hard to remember it's hard to kind of even know what you should ask about anything so yeah that that all makes sense when you when you describe it yes i'm margaret and i'm amy and together we host the podcast what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood margaret i would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom correct sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm. 
So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. So you were describing kind of being, though it was a blur, those those two years. And it was hard to remember. What you know now is, like looking back on it now, what do you remember? What do you think was going on? In terms of like postpartum depression or whatever else you were dealing with. I mean, looking back now, like at this point, call it eight years because she's 10 now. Like, I don't know. I just very clearly postpartum. I guess what like irritates me is that nobody around me like offered actual help. And I didn't have that big of a support system. But like, I don't know. I guess that's still an issue in like my family now is that like nobody like that's one of the issues. I don't know if my mom's ever going to see this. But like that's one of our main issues right now is that like I got out of living at that house and like out of like that type of situation and then finally was like like this like big thing just like crash and I was like oh my god like that was terrible why did Uh nobody like ever and like my sister and I are like not bonding trauma bonding but like we're stepping outside of it now being like oh my god that was terrible like you don't realize it in the moment yeah and so we're coming out until we're out so I like it came crashing down when I moved in with my now my boyfriend who my now husband and I was just like why do I feel like I actually felt momentarily worse because I guess I was like safe enough to like feel the stuff and like at home I came crashing down I was like oh my god that was terrible like why didn't someone like and it's just like a weird thing too because like my because uh I I don't know how long postpartum lasts but I felt that way like the the extremes of it were like less so after like the year and a half but then I still felt that kind of depression just anxiety thing for for a while afterwards and I just Because at a certain point, I'm like, this is just normal. Like, I don't know what is not normal. This is normal for me. And then, Mm -hmm. like, like a few years ago, my husband and I talked about it. And I was – I forget how the conversation started. But he was like, oh, yeah. Like, you were definitely, like – Like, when we first started dating. And I was like, what? You could tell? And he was like, yeah. You'd come over to the house. And, like, you'd just stay in bed for, like, hours. And, like, I'd go outside and play with her. And I was like, why did you – why were you with me? (laughs) Like, what were you doing? Was this fun for you? Like, what? If you saw that, why were you just like, I don't know. I liked I liked when you were, I guess there were like waves, right? So like, I liked when you were like, you, like, hi. And I just took that as like the low or whatever. And I was like, okay, like you clearly have issues with trying to fix somebody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I was like, you clearly have issues. And he was like, I don't think so, man. I was just like, That's okay, sweet. whatever you say. I'm, I'm better. Like, I'm, I'm fine. It was a while ago, but I also just got... I guess less than six months ago. And I don't know how much these things like interplay with each other, but I just got diagnosed by a psychiatrist as bipolar two, which I guess is a less extreme version than bipolar. And yeah. I only went after the diagnosis is because like, I still always just feel off. And so I think mm-hmm. I just have generally mental health issues and then like the hormones and then the situation I was in just amplified it and they didn't really solve themselves. I had to like actively like, at, like when I moved in with my husband at that point, it was like five years ago. That was when I was like, that was the first time I was like, he was the one that was like, I think you need to talk to some, because I would like cry him calling. Like I would call him for my job, call him at his job crying. He was like, I think you need to talk to somebody. I was like, who? He's like, I think you should. Like he would like help me and stuff yeah. like that. Right. But it wasn't until like he suggested it that it ever popped in my head that there was people like this, like it wasn't normal, I guess. Because I didn't that know. you could feel different. This, that this was just how you felt. 
Yeah, it's just how I felt. And so I just thought it was like not normal per se, but it was normal for me. And so I thought it was just like a normal thing that I was feeling. And then there was just like crazy waves where I would feel terrible. And like, that was just how I felt. Like that was just how I would be feeling for my life, you know? And I just couldn't be like other people for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I guess going back to the postpartum thing, like, I mean, I feel bad about it. Like, I, I don't know if there's anything to feel bad about it, but, like, my daughter's 10 now, and, like, she'll be talking to her friends, and she'll be like, I don't know how it comes up because they're kids, so I don't know how conversations happen with them, but she'll just randomly be asking me, like, what were my first words? And I'm like, I don't know, like, and, like, she asked it, like, she, I think she asked it in front of my sister, and my sister was like, and I was like, I don't know, and she was like, just mix something up, and I was like, am I supposed to make something up? Should I lie to her, or should I, like, I don't know what's right for, because yeah. I've, you know, I've told her, like, she, cause she was three when we were still living there. And like, it was like a, she had a different image of what it was like when living with Gamma and like Gamma was all fun and would give her gummies and put her in front of the TV and watch TV. And like, I was like, you know, like just alone kind of thing. So she was very different things. And I would like, I'll casually be like, I don't know what you thought. Like it was, but that was not like fun for me. Like that was really rough for me. And so like, I'm, she's 10. So I don't tell her everything. So I'm like, I'll wait till she's older to talk about bigger things. But like in those situations, I'm like, I literally just the entire first two years of her life are just kind of like a weird, mm-hmm. sad, yeah. angry blur. Yeah. Oh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that part of your journey because it's, this happens for a lot of people. And I know there's, there's a lot of people who can identify with this, just kind of going through it, not not knowing that anything could be different, all of a sudden realizing that like the life that you had been living was impacting you and, and now feeling the heaviness of this. And honestly, you know, the, the postpartum depression can last for so long, especially if you're not getting the help that you deserve. And, you know, th- those symptoms can last for years. It's just, it makes me so sad that we're not doing a better job to help moms so that, you know, Ideally, you wouldn't have had to suffer for that long. Somebody could have picked up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I'm like, I don't know who, because like, again, looking back, I'm like, I don't know who would have except my immediate family because I was mostly alone. And then like the doctors, I guess, when I got my checkups, because like after those initial, like right afterwards, and then like the six weeks, whatever, like the standard yeah. operating procedure is for like vaginal delay. I don't remember, yeah. but it was very like, this is what you do with it. And it was like two or three right. checkups, basically checking stitches. Okay. And stuff, I don't remember anyone asking. And if they did, it wasn't, like, the questions that I would have been, like, yeah, like, that maybe they would have picked up on. And then, right. I don't know, like, I, I I don't know. I don't know what would be, I don't know, home visits? I, I don't know, because I don't, like. Now, not as much even a couple of years ago, but now a lot of pediatricians are asking, because that's where you go. That's what, Yeah. Exactly. I didn't, sorry, that's what I was going to say is like after my, like those just standard, like three things, the only time I ever went to the doctor afterwards with her shots and I went there all the time to get her shots and they didn't ask me anything. They asked me about her and I'm like, yeah, she's alive. Here she is. Like, I mean, there's nothing to report on her. She's fine. Like it wasn't, it wasn't her that was the issue. It was me that was struggling. I'm like keeping her alive. She's fine. That's what I was going to say is I guess like the pediatrician asking more about like, that like the only time that I felt like they generate like they insinuated anything was like she had a lot of she was late speaking Mm -hmm. and because she had ear infections all the time it turned out so she couldn't hear the same thing again and again so she couldn't repeat it or whatever so that's so once we got her tubes or whatever done at like two she was started talking like it was pretty quickly 
But they like at the pediatrician, they were concerned because she wasn't talking before the tubes. And they asked like, um, I forget the exact question, but I remember it made me mad. And could I, I took it as like, they were like judging me mm-hmm. like for being alone and being a single mom. But what they asked was like, is dad at home? Like, like to, and what I'm like, when I told somebody this recently, they were like, it's probably because you talk to somebody while you're there. But if it's just her and I all the time, I'm usually sitting in silence or just talking to her occasionally. Like I'm not having full blown conversations. So I'm like, I don't know what they insinuate. I don't know what they meant by that. Mm-hmm. But that's the only time I remember them asking about my home life mm-hmm. was asking is dad around because she wasn't talking. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not their problem, but theoretically my well being does impact her well being. So like, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> So I don't, I mean, they, maybe they should ask more questions about like, but then it's intrusive. So I don't know what rights versus, you know, so it's, I guess it's complicated. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know who would have picked up on it and when and why. No, I mean, you, you have, you have a lot of good points and um, you're, you're pointing out the massive flaws in our care, in our system of care is that moms kind of like, you get all of this attention during pregnancy, make sure everything's going okay. And then a couple of visits postpartum. And then that's it. Nobody's really yeah. like, how are you doing? And and that's been the case for a long time, unfortunately. But as you said, that like the pediatricians could be asking and can be asking. Uh, and that, that's the, the where things are going right now, thankfully. But it, I mean, what you're describing is so just just such a real and true thing that people aren't like nobody's getting you checking in on you and getting you that the help that you need at, at that point. Um, yeah. So it sounds like going back to what you said before that when your daughter was about five years old, that's around the time you started therapy. I guess maybe she was younger. I think because we because it was pretty much like a few months after we moved out of my mom's house into the apartment with my now husband. Actually, it might have been like six and a half, seven years ago. So maybe I like mm-hmm. thought it was. Maybe I'm underestimating how long we've been together. I think is what's <laughs> happening. And I'm like, wait, we have been living in this <laughs> city now for seven years. I'm underestimating that. So never mind. Yeah, no, it was actually younger than that because I remember like she was. It was a whole situation because it was a lot of things that brought my husband to be like. I think she because like I would like she was like also like super attached to me because it was just mainly her and I. And so anytime, like, she wanted a lot of attention, she, like, even now she, like, feeds off of my emotions. And so, like, she's very, like, like a dog sensitive to, like, so when I'm in a bad mood, it basically puts everyone in a bad mood. Mm. So I have, like, which is really annoying because I'm like, oh, my God, can I just feel my feelings without, yeah. like, you picking up on it? It's so, it's so stressful because then I'm like, oh, For my sure. God, I'm the reason that's causing this, but I can feel my feelings. But it was, like... Like she would get like really clingy. And then I remember I woke up because I wanted to go to a yoga class and it was like five o'clock because it was like an early yoga class. And I guess she had woken up and then like she started crying and wouldn't let me leave. And like, I just like sat on the floor and was sobbing. And my husband came out and was like, what, what? Like we're just both crying and always like, what is happening? Yeah. Which is why I'm like, now I'm like, why did you stay? What was wrong with you? <laughs> did you love me that much already? Like you're crazy. Like that was around the time. It was like that type of stuff. And then me calling him at work, it was like that like oh, thing right. that he was like, I think you should talk to somebody because he like, I think recognized that this was like bigger than just like feeling upset at something. And so I think it was six and a half, seven years ago. And I went to a therapist then at that point for like, because I was still on my mom's insurance because I was, I, I don't know, 25. I was under oh, 27. Right. Yeah. So under her insurance, it was free. Um, well, she had a... She, hated quite a bit because she had a bunch of people anyways 
So it was free under her. And so I would think I was going every week for like probably like a year maybe. And it was really helpful. Like it got me through like some initial stuff. It took a minute to like figure out where to find somebody. I know that's not what this is, but it's just like everyone's like, go to therapy. And I'm like, yeah, but there's different kind of therapists. And like the one I went, the first one I went to made me actually feel worse because she talked about things that were not at all relevant. And we're like blaming it on my father, who's like an alcoholic who I haven't seen in like since I was like 10. And I'm like, I get how that could be related, but like, that's not relevant to why I'm crying in the middle of work, calling my boyfriend. And like, that's not relevant. Right. I'm so glad you're, you're telling us this, telling me this. I'm so sorry that you had that experience, but oh my gosh, this happened, this like therapists who are not like trained or who don't have the understanding of where you are in that, in that moment because of postpartum stuff. It happens so often. That people feel worse, you know, yeah. unfortunately. It's really another thing where we could just be doing so much better. And you could, yeah. Yeah. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So you found after that therapist, what happened? Yeah, after that, I thought, because I only went to her for one, because I was like, I actually felt worse, and I was crying about things that were not why I came in. It was, like, really weird, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go to her again. So I literally went to her one time. I was like, I'm done. Um, And then I found another really, really wonderful one, and she was a CBT Mm -hmm. therapist, Mm -hmm. which was really helpful. It got me to, like, think about things. I'm sure everyone knows who's listening, and then you know what CBT is, and I was like, oh, this makes sense. I'm not mad about, like, my husband or my boyfriend not putting the dishwasher away. I'm mad that he's not listening to me. Therefore, I'm not being felt. Like, I'm not being seen, and, like, it's deeper, and I just need to make sure I'm clear on things and being like, I feel like you're not listening to me when blah, blah, blah. So that was really helpful. It was just kind of like, I don't know if we necessarily talked about like the postpartum stuff specifically. Like I don't, I think I just kind of at that point, it was just like a general depression because it was like at that point, like two and a half, three years. It was like three years later than at that point that I had her. She was like three. So it was like just a general now carrying over of depression and just having issues. And she put me, well, she didn't put me on. She recommended that I go to my primary to get antidepressants, which I did. So I was on those for I think like two years. And then I went to her for like every week for like a year. And then I think I downgraded to like every other week. And then like, you know, like that type of thing and just kind of petered that out. And then I was like, fine. 
for a while, like, and not fine, but like gave me tools that I was like, I feel pretty good. I don't really know what I have to talk about right now, you know? Right. Right. So, um, how did these, uh, several years impact you and your music? Well, it obviously impacted me personally, but I honestly didn't do anything with music until I was 25. And I used to feel really bad and like about that. And like, why didn't I do anything? And I realized recently within the last like year or two that like, if I believe in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm like, I never really had like the foundational stuff Mm -hmm. to feel secure. And so I never really thought of my future. And so I was thinking about that, like the past year being like, yeah, but Amanda, like, what were your plans after high school? Like you did well, like you did fine. Like you didn't have any plans though. You just like applied to college. Like you just went to get, you went to a community college because Mm -hmm. we were poor. And so it was the easy way to get the the two years. And then I was going to transfer in to get another two years to just finish. But like, I had literally no plans because I was just like living my life because I didn't, I didn't have the mental capability to think beyond that. And so I honestly didn't even do music until I turned, started doing music until I turned 25. And that was around the time that I moved in with my boyfriend. Cause I, once again, I was just like, oh, I like the house is clean. We had like steady income coming in. Like it was just like, not like we're rich, but it was just like, okay, I have food in the fridge. Cause I'm like during that time also, I was, I was basically a kid and like, I didn't, I was, didn't have support system anyway. So I was like on welfare, I was on food stamps. She was on the daycare assisted fund. Like we were getting all the government resources, which I, which is why I'm like, when I see other people doing it, I'm like, good, get yours because like, I feel okay about it. Like I, I put my money back in when I got a job and like, I got off of it. Like, it's just like a, it's just like a little boost, but I didn't have any of that. So I didn't actually start doing music until all that foundational stuff was steady that I was like, wait, what do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah, So I'm like, I didn't actually start really messing around with it for like five until like five years ago. And I've just been like, basically, which is, again, it's like kind of stressful for me because I try not to beat myself up about it because there's like 13 year olds on YouTube that are just like popping off. And I'm like over here just like learning how to play guitar at like 30. I'm like, oh my God, is this even worth it? Like Billie Eilish is winning Grammys at like 16. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, um it's hard that comparison trap is a rough yeah I'm trying not to do it because it's not relevant and like different life experiences and blah 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 and I didn't know so it's fine it's just kind of like that's I didn't start honestly until like five years ago and so I'm so like for the EP for example like a lot of that stuff was like more introspective and stuff like that so I was talking about like baby daddy relationship and kind of how that came to be because like I don't I don't know if this is the case but in my mind I'm like I feel like 19 year olds don't just get pregnant because like everything's cool beans like there's probably something off in some way like they're looking for something like I was looking for someone to like I guess support me like Mm -hmm. love me so I could feel love like I was trying to create a like I wasn't trying to create a family because the pregnancy was not on purpose it was it was cause and effect I believe something that I shouldn't have believed it was it was kind of you know naivety and believing somebody but like it wasn't because I was like happy in my life it was because I was looking for something and like so that's kind of what like the songs from my EP were about and kind of because they were in October. Sorry. But you specifically um, wrote a song about your struggles with postpartum depression. I don't think I put it out. I've written a couple songs about it. It's just like I've talked to my friend about this because she's had a lot of trauma and like abuse and stuff like that, too. We never really write songs typically about the thing. Mm-hmm. And like. It's usually like about the feelings, but even then we don't yeah. really do it because I've tried, I tried to sit down and do it, but like, I didn't even know it's 
it's almost like too much that I didn't even know what to say because yeah. with like writing a song, you kind of have to pick a thing. You can't just be talking about like an entire huge list of things. You got to pick something kind of and narrow it down. Or other people can't follow. It's too much right. because I think it's so, cause I tried to sit down a bunch of times and be like, okay. And then there was just too much that I wanted to say, but then it was like too specific, but like, it was just like a lot. And then I didn't know how to do it. And then I was like, what am I trying to get out? Like what feeling? And I was like, it's just general sadness and overwhelm. And I'm like, what kind of song is that? Like, what am I doing with that song? <laughs> like, is this supposed to be inspirational? Because it's not inspirational. It's just a really sad. And so I just kind of half finished those songs, you know, and I'm just like, and I don't know now if it's like too late sometimes to write about these types of things. Because at this point, I'm like, yeah, it's sad. But I'm like, I've learned stuff through it. I'm not like mm-hmm. trying to silver line trauma, right? It's just kind of like, no. it sucks. But at this point, I'm like, I've had other life experiences. I'm mostly okay. Like, I can talk about it with people, but I don't know if like me writing about it through music and creating songs. Cause like now that I'm doing music, music, like I'm full time doing music now for the past year and a half as like a lead singer and like songwriter. And I get paid for like vocal sessions and stuff like that. Like the point of songs is to make people feel something theoretically or tell a story. Like, and so like, if I sit down to write that, I'm like, what am I trying to get people to feel? Am I trying to get them to feel sad? Like, do I want people to feel sad? I don't really want people to feel sad. And so if it's just for me to express my sadness, I'm like, there's other ways for me to express that, that I don't necessarily even feel called to through writing, because honestly, it just doesn't, I prefer to talk some things out. Like, so like the issues I've had with like my mom and stuff like that, I've talked, like I've written those things to her and through letter and stuff like that. Like, I don't feel called to write a song about that per se. So I don't know. That's just like a weird, maybe me thing that I don't necessarily sometimes feel like I wrote a song about like my baby daddy situation. Like I said, how I was 19 and how, cause I used to be like really down on myself about like, God, I was so stupid. Why did I believe that? Like why? Like, and then I look back as like 30 year old me, like Amanda, you were a child. Like you were looking for, like you were looking for certain things. You thought it was that it turned out not to be that like you weren't stupid. Like it's just not stupid. It was naivety and believing somebody basically. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, to your point, like being able to have that, you know, 10 year perspective after you've done some, some healing and you have some distance from it, 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 things you can give your, you can look back with a little bit more compassion now that you've, you understand more about what you were going through at the time. It's really hard when you're in it to feel compassionate about, you know, towards yourself or give yourself any slack. You're just in it. Yeah. Yeah. So with that um, kind of historical perspective, I suppose, um, what are the things or some of the things that you've learned about your journey now that you have this like perspective? I don't know about the learn. I guess I've just been, and this is like recent, the past like year or two that I've been like not so hard on myself and more examining why things happen, not just beating myself up over things, but just like, because like, again, when I like now, not that it's like an age thing. I'm like, now that I'm 30 and like, I'll like look at kids who are like nine in my mind, 19, like that are kids in my mind. I'll look at them and think that they still like, they still look like babies to me. And like looking at my pictures, I'm like, oh, I still look like a baby. It made me think of like, well, cause there's like that, uh, like that therapist thing of like you or like, you know, the self-talk about like, would you say this to yourself as a five-year-old? Like basically like picturing right. yourself as that. And like, when yeah. I thought of that, I was like, I was like, and then I guess as I'm getting older, I'm like looking at these teenagers, which I was 19 and I wouldn't have said that to that person. Like, they're clearly, like, struggling. Mm-hmm. And so it's more just, like, I guess the compassion. I guess it would be the compassion and just more, like, looking at the why, not so much, like, what. 
are the results and consequences, but like why, what could have led to this and not yeah. just like cause and effect, obviously like things lead to cause and effects, but like what led to that and like analyzing that and then like trying to, I guess, fix that thing. Because that thing didn't get fixed when I had her and it didn't get fixed for years and I'm still like trying to fix it now. And it's better. But like now like fix it for you personally or fix it between you and your daughter or No, like fix it for me because I guess like I and like not that it's related to postpartum and stuff like that, but like especially talking to my sister, we're realizing like my mom had issues. Like she was married to an alcoholic, had me on purpose because she wanted something to love her. And she was going to leave my dad, but then found out she was pregnant with my sister. And so she stayed. And so there's a lot of, like, stuff there that she, like, then made further, like, stuff down the line. And then, like, affected us. So we're both, like, kind of figuring this out. Right. And so me realizing, like, I don't want to do that to my daughter. And I don't think I'll do the same. Like, everyone's going to mess their kids up. But I don't want to mess her up in that same way. And I know that I won't do that because I'm aware of what she did, I think, for, like, 80s. 5% 5% of the part. So I can at least do avoid 85% of that mess up. But then I have my own mental health issues. Like I said, where I was earlier on when I was just diagnosed with uh, bipolar two, And I only figure that out because I still like have these like waves and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, it like antidepressants are still not working. Cause I stopped doing them like a while ago. Cause I just felt numb, like nothing. I hated that. And I rather just feel like the ups and downs. And I had like the tools from therapy. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to like chill and I'm going to see how it goes. And as long as I'm not like crazy dipping, I'm going to stay off of it. And I've been good, but it's just like kind of nagging. But I got diagnosed with that because my sister very clearly has it. My dad had it. And there's like a fam- familial thing. So they just said, okay, cool. But like I'm inconsistent. And so I worry that that sometimes will impact my daughter because she is so like, she's so able to pick up on my emotions. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't want her to read my up and down swings as inconsistency of like loving her. I guess uh-huh, right. I don't know how to, if that makes, I no, don't know how to, ex- yeah. okay. <laughs> I totally hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, what you're sharing is just our, our family history impacts us. There's no way around that. And you have done so much work. It sounds like to, to really piece things together um, so that you can p- stop that the generational, whatever was happening yeah. with your mom and probably, who knows how far down the mm-hmm. line, but it, it's a lot of work to be the the person who's doing the healing and the and, and trying to stop that from going down the line even further. It's great and amazing that you're doing that um, for yourself and for your daughter, and really grateful that you've shared this with us. Yes. So, for what would you say to people who might be in, let's say, similar situations that you had? Um, who might be listening right now, like what, what would you say to them if you were giving them some of what you might have needed at the time? This is a generic thing, but like, I guess get help sooner. But like, I didn't know that I needed help. So that's kind of like a weird thing to say. It's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Cause I would be like, get a support system. You can just get a support system. <laughs> Cause I feel like the biggest things with like this type of stuff is like support systems and help, which is essentially a support system, Yeah, you know? I don't know, just reach out people that you feel safe with and like ask for help. Or like, even I guess if you have doctor checkups, like talk about it. Like, I don't know if I would have even thought to talk about it, quite honestly, at a pediatrician because it was all about her. So I wouldn't have been like, hey, I'm having these feelings. Like, yeah, I don't know. So just I, I don't know, get help. But Mm -hmm. only if you recognize you need help. 
Well, right. I'm not very good at this. I don't know. No, no, you're you're absolutely spot on. My assumption is that anyone who's listening to this is here for a reason. Um, this is a very specific podcast just focused yeah. on these things. So sometimes people wander in and listen to a story and start to realize that they maybe are having some similar experiences. And so what you're providing and what you're offering is is super important. Okay. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> you did. I don't know. I tried. Um, yeah. Well, I thank you so much for your time and sharing your experience and your journey with us. Um, and I know that you have been working on your music and people can go and listen to some of your music um, at your website, amandacunningham.com. Yep. Um, also on Instagram and um, TikTok. Yes. They can find you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and sharing with us today. Thank you for having me on today. Amanda wrote a song about her struggles with uh, postpartum depression and having a bipolar 2 diagnosis. She is happy to share it with us. You can find her at amandacunningham.com. Also on Instagram, I am Amanda Cunningham, as well as TikTok, I am Amanda Cunningham. Thank you again, Amanda, for sharing your story with us and helping us learn another way that somebody can heal. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.